Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Hey everyone, it's Ted from Consumer Cellular, the guy in the orange sweater, and this is your wake-up call. If you're paying too much for wireless service, you don't have to keep having that nightmare. Consumer Cellular has the same fast, reliable coverage as the leading carriers for up to half the cost. So why keep spending more than you have to? Seriously, wake up and call 1-888-FREEDOM or visit ConsumerCellular.com. Savings based on cost of Consumer Cellular single line 1, 5, and 10 gig data plans with unlimited talk and text compared to lowest cost single line postpaid unlimited talk text and data plans offered by T-Mobile and Verizon January 2024. Abraham Lincoln Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. It might have taken a stroke or two extra, but the feeling is just as sweet. Scheffler outshines them all at Augusta. Scotty Scheffler, 25-year-old uh, young man, number one golfer in the world, won the Masters uh, tournament there in beautiful Augusta, Georgia. I was there, uh, not on Sunday for various reasons, mostly you know travel and logistics related, but uh, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, I was there with my dad, which was an incredible treat, uh, as he is now uh, 81, huge golf fan. He's never been to the Masters, and uh, neither had I. Uh, and my my wife and my brother and my sister were there too, and we shared the five passes and went for three days, and it was unbelievable. I can tell you more about it in a little bit. Um, it was just wonderful. I mean, it was a great family reunion. Uh, you know, a year, a little more than a year after my mom passed, um, great chance for us to reminisce and just spend time together. Plus, you know, honestly, I, 
if if it's one of those things, either you get it or you don't. I am such a golf freak and such a Masters freak. That tournament is like beyond my Super Bowl. It's my four day Super Bowl every year. In fact, I watch practice. I watch the par three tournament they have with their kids. I just and and I've always wanted to see that incredible golf course. I finally got to go, and it was absolutely wonderful. Just. Absolutely fantastic. Really enjoyed it. Um, again, more on that later. And Jack's going to join us next segment to talk about the, hmm, I almost said shocking, eh, semi-shocking, uh, outcome of the trial of those militia geeks in Michigan accused of uh, plotting to kidnap and maybe execute the governor, Gretchen Whitmer. Um she deserves to have her ridiculous nanny state loving lion fanny voted out of office, but not abducted. So why that verdict went the way it did, they were all acquitted or hung jury um, in some cases. Uh, so we'll talk about that with Jack in a couple of minutes. Uh, but uh, first, uh, Bill Maher, as usual, was uh, banging the drum for, uh, well, against cancel culture banging it in favor of the free exchange of ideas. Uh, I know he's obnoxious sometimes. I know I disagree with him sometimes. But, uh, oh, that reminds me, you know, I also came across a great piece by uh, uh, by one of my favorite writers talking about how to actually change people's minds. Not lobbing verbal grenades back and forth across Twitter, which never changes anybody's mind, but how to actually change their mind. Maybe we'll get to that a little bit later on. Um but, uh, you know, in the critical, critical battle for um, the heart of American young people especially, I'm willing to be bedfellows with some strange folks uh, if we can defeat the quasi-Marxist, woke, critical theory stuff, which is, as we were discussing last week, it's designed to drive a wedge between parents and children. They are trying desperately to get the children to hate their parents. Woodrow Wilson said that over a hundred years ago. The purpose of the, of the public schools is to get the kids to uh, disagree with and hate their parents. So that's a paraphrase, but that's what he was trying to do, and that's what the progressives are trying to do right now. So, again, if we can get uh, support on that front, we'll go ahead and put up with idiotic views about whatever. I don't care. This one's too important. So anyway, uh, a couple of clips from Bill Maher. Uh, I lost it, Michael. Uh, there we go. Let's just uh, start with number one. This war on jokes must end. Will Smith didn't get kicked out of the Oscars for going Ike Turner on Chris, but Kevin Hart got kicked out of hosting it for a joke. Who are these people who say cancel culture isn't a real thing? Just among comedians who've gotten fired and lost gigs for exercising their freedom of expression, the toll is high. Gilbert Gottfried and Kathy Griffin were tasteless. So what? That's why we like them. Comedians are the ones testing where the line is. We can't always be perfect any more than Tom Brady will never throw an interception. (laughs) Dave Chappelle lost distribution for his documentary and Sarah Silverman was fired from a film over an old sketch where she wore blackface to make fun of racism. Roseanne lost the TV show she created with her name on it over tweets that were very offensive, but not at all clear Roseanne knew them to be. She is crazy, and I say that as a friend. (laughs) All comedians are a little crazy, and you need crazy on that wall. 
Will Smith wasn't pulled off stage, but comedian Namesh Patel was literally pulled off stage during a performance at Columbia for a joke about how hard it is to be gay and black. Not an anti-gay joke, mind you, a pro-gay joke. But one of the event organizers walked on stage and said, I don't think you're entitled to certain jokes you're making. <laughs> well, a sense of entitlement certainly is a big part of the problem here, but not on the part of the comedian. Boy, it's a uh, first point about Will Smith got to stay, but Kevin Hart got ha- hacked off as the uh, the host for making some politically insensitive jokes. Wow, that's that's a good point. Uh, oh, oh, and speaking of the whole, uh, uh, what's her name, Sarah Silverman getting canceled or fired or whatever it was for an old uh, sketch in which she was making fun of racists, uh, I've got an update on the uh, San Diego State University professor who was in an utterly defensible, intellectually honest way. He used the N-word to illustrate a point, and his getting canceled and fired is an obscenity. Uh, And I want to stay on his side and bring you that uh, perspective in a couple of minutes, but a little more from uh, Bill Maher. The people who can't take a joke now aren't old ladies in the Bible Belt. They're Gen Z at elite colleges colleges where comedy goes to die (laughs) kids used to go to college and lose their virginity now they go to lose their sense of humor vice recently interviewed college bookers who revealed that before a comedian even takes the stage they're asked to edit out anything from their act that may cause offense leaving a world where more and more topics are off limits and soon there'll be nothing left to joke about except airline food and Starbucks getting your name wrong. George Carlin, owner of the most famous 180 in comedy history, when he turned his back on a lucrative career in nightclubs in order to let his hair down and be himself in front of a younger crowd who welcomed irreverence. In 1970, George said, I gotta go to colleges. I belong with people who are open and will let me be myself and experiment. Oh, George. (laughs) It's a good thing you're dead. For all those who are constantly demanding an apology for jokes, maybe it's you who should apologize to us. For all the great jokes that we never got to hear, the brilliant thoughts that were never uttered, those are the invisible scars of cancel culture. Wow, that's really good. That's really good. I'm reminded of a quote that I like so much. I have it pinned up here in the studio uh, from John Stuart Mill, his uh, classic book on liberty. The general or prevailing opinion in any subject is rarely or never really the whole truth. It is only by the collision of adverse opinions that the remainder of the truth has any chance of being supplied. But the Young Maoists uh, demand that no truth but theirs ever be heard. Uh, Interesting. Uh, Jack's going to check in, so let's take a quick break. We'll be back. If you ever miss a chunk of the show, grab the podcast later, armstrongandgetty.com. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. So I want to get to the uh, continuing story of the San Diego State uh, 
professor who was uh, disciplined for trying to teach the young Maoists anything that made them slightly uncomfortable. We'll get to that in a bit. But first, the co-host joins us, Jack Armstrong, reporting live from the mountainous region of California slash Nevada. Hello, Jack. Snowing like crazy in Truckee, California. So hard in mid-April. Wow. That's that's good news, you know, drought-wise, I suppose. Yeah. I suppose you've been talking a lot about the fact that uh, J-Lo and Ben Affleck are engaged again. Yeah, we did a whole hour on it. If you're just tuning in, okay. sorry you missed it. Well, then I won't repeat everything I'm sure you said. Um, uh, several things that I want to get to in depth when I'm there tomorrow, uh, assume I, I don't get stranded in the mountains near Donner Pass and have to eat my companion, which is my son. We actually discussed that yesterday, who would eat who, or if we'd just eat like my arm, if we, uh, if we ended up in a situation like that. Well, you'd hate to have it come down to that father, son, but, uh, uh. <laughs> well, you do what you got to do. Um, I want to talk about the Michigan verdict that came down on Friday. Ah, yeah, the uh, uh, kidnapping conspiracy thing, yeah. Yeah, in which there were like 22 (laughs) working with the FBI informants, practically more informants than there were plot people, and it would seem that uh, to a certain extent the jury and others were like, wait a second, everybody here is in on it. Um, So you've had two people walk and two more that are going to get retried in theory, but a lot of people wonder if it'll ever ever be retried. So uh, I want to talk to that in depth. Some of the... Some of the stuff that came out over the trial, I mean, everything from the inception of the plot came from the FBI. So you just, you wonder, would it have ever happened without them? Well, no, I, I don't think it would have. And, you know, I, I like to believe I have kind of a nuanced view of what's entrapment and what's not. Having followed this stuff uh, during the, the years, you remember when Islamic terrorism was so hot, uh, you know, various would-be jihadis and actual jihadis and the rest of it. You know, I'm not a knee-jerk guy one way or the other, but these guys who are on trial were such mouth-breathing dummies. And and the fact that some of the testimony was that some of the undercover guys were communicating to their bosses, uh, they they can't organize a one car parade. They're not moving forward with anything. They they can't get their acts together at all. Uh, I can understand why the jury said, "Well, then you got their act together for them." What's that? Yeah, yeah. So we'll get into some of that tomorrow. It's. Uh... It's kind of funny and also a little troubling if the government decides they really get a, a head of steam going for some particular direction that they want to uh, arrest some people. Right, uh, yeah. So and we can get into it more tomorrow, but, uh, you know, as an underachiever, the, 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 the doctrine is that as long as there was intent, I got intent to do all sorts of stuff, and it's never going to happen. <laughs> All right? That ought to be a defense in court. Uh, Your Honor, the defendant has been talking about writing the great American novel for 40 years and hasn't even typed out a single word. He is a idiot who's incapable of doing anything. Yes, yes. The defendant bought exercise equipment and workout clothes. But uh, we have been surveilling him for quite some time, and we have yet to see a bead of sweat appear on his body so the defendant and his high school buddies are still talking about getting serious about their band that they've been in since high school <laughs> they're in their 50s and they've never played a single paid gig your honor come on <laughs> exactly those are good examples right there yes we were talking uh last hour about 
Um, is it time for the United States and NATO to, like, really arm the Ukrainians, like, give them all the stuff? I was just reading the op-ed from General Wesley Clark. Do you remember him when he was going to run for president for a cup of coffee? What year was that? Was that 2000? Way back. Like, was that 2008 or 12? And I think uh, he was going to be a Democrat. I'd be guessing, but yes, you're correct on both counts. Was that before Obama really emerged as the the fave, or is it was it even further than that? I don't. Rem- it might be. It might be. Anyway, he was a he was one time the NATO supreme commander. I mean, he ran NATO uh, as an American general back in the day, and he's got a long, strong op-ed that he wrote over the weekend. It was published in the New York Post about. We have got to stop waffling. No more middle ground. Give them the planes. Give them the tanks. Give them the everything. The world depends on it. And I thought that was pretty strong stuff from a former NATO commander. It's not like he's going into it blindly with no concern about NATO getting pulled into a war. No, indeed. I'd like to read that. That's interesting. I am trying so hard not to let my emotions be my, you know, my uh, general manager. When it comes to this thing, um, but it is it's it's easy. It's um it, well, it's solid to make the case that we can't let European countries get marched over and and taken over by autocrats. The free world has a perfectly legitimate case to make. I don't think Putin's going to use nukes. I think he's rational. Um, we we always give him the exit ramp. Only surround your uh, enemy on three sides, as the old saying goes. Um, and, 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 and seriously arm the Ukrainians. I'm, I think I'm in favor of that. Goodness knows, uh, my opinion is not listened to anywhere in the halls of power, but uh, I hear you. I hear him. Yeah. And General Clark says he doesn't think Putin's, uh, goals will be satisfied if, if we just let him have Ukraine. Um, and it makes sense to me if, if the idea is that Putin's willing to use nukes, well, then he's going to go for more. Why wouldn't he? He's got nuclear weapons, and he thinks the rest of the world is afraid of him. And as the old saying also goes, many people's appetite grows with the eating, and taking Ukraine might make him more hungry for more land. Anyway, um, General Clark's view is that Putin would be emboldened to, to move into other countries, and it just sends a message to China that if you're a nuclear country, you can do whatever you want. And we, can, we cannot let that be the... Um, the rule for the planet going forward. If you have nuclear weapons, you can do whatever you want. Yeah, yeah, agreed. I'm not sure my appetite grows with the eating. My thirst grows with the drinking, though, for sure. Uh, <laughs> Got to be careful of that. Uh, no which which reminds me, and, and these guys are made of different stuff than me, and, and you are too, probably, but at the Masters um, golf tournament over the weekend, or last week, I guess, um, and, and the weekend, uh, the number of guys who it's eight o'clock in the morning and they're on beer number one. And then you see them at like nine 30 and they got the stack of five cups. Cause they're like souvenir cups. You want to keep is, you know, well, as souvenirs, Joe, um, they're, they're like five <laughs> beers in and it's like, it's not even, you're not even thinking about lunchtime and uh, just between the standing in line to pee. And just the fatigue and the not remembering it at all, I just don't get it. But That's a, lot a long of day. That is a long day. And they did that multiple days? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Ooh. Yeah. I mean, you saw them every day there. I guess some of them probably just went for one day. 
but my brother has, uh, who was there with me, um, he has one of those uh, watches. I can't remember the kind. It's a Garmin or something or other that tracks your steps. And we were doing 15,000, 17,000 steps a day. Woo, um, that's a lot of steps. Yeah, you combine that with, uh, with with drinking beer all day long. And I don't know. I just, I don't know. Maybe it's laziness. I can't do it. It's too much work. <laughs> Sobriety is so much easier. Yeah. As far as I'm concerned. And cheaper. And cheaper. A lot cheaper. Yeah, it is. Although the refreshment prices at the Masters are hilariously low. Hilarious. You get a big old sandwich, $3. It's fantastic. Anyway, uh, Jack, go uh, ski with your kid. Have a good time. I will. All right. And uh, we have a lot of good stuff to talk about. We're going to follow up on the San Diego State University professor story, as I said, coming up. If you can't stay tuned, just grab the podcast later. We make it available. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. And I'm scanning the uh, audio that the fellows have put together for the show today, and I see the stuff on COVID and all, and I just, I don't know, I just don't think about it. Saw some people in masks outdoors at the Masters. What's the matter with you? Um, But I just, I don't even think about it. I guess some of the cases are going up in the Northeast a little bit, but I don't know. I'm over it. Anyway, uh, they're not over it in China. Holy cow. We talked about that earlier when Jack checked in and probably talk about it again. But uh, Shanghai locked down 26 million people, people committing suicide, hurling themselves out of buildings. And I don't mean like two people did it by the dozens. They're rounding up and killing everybody's pets. There are riots at the food handouts. There's widespread horror parents are being forcibly separated from their children who have the sniffles just just insanity <clears throat> so uh, more on that to come also next hour and uh some of you don't get the hour uh, on live radio or whatever you can grab it later via podcast armstrong and getty.com here is my uh, my uh my request or my uh, hint for you my suggestion we're going to have young Alex interview me, Joe Getty, about going to the Masters uh, last week over the weekend, um, the Masters Golf Tournament. Um, if you have a business, if you are part of a business that is at all public contact oriented, uh, you need to go to the Masters once. And I know it's tough to get tickets, and it's a hell of a journey for a lot of you, but um, it's worth doing once, and, and I'll explain why. Uh, so that a little bit later on. <clears throat> Getting back to uh, China and their uh, oppressiveness and uh, the idea of uttering any opinion that's contrary to the government's being punishable, we have a strain of that sort of Maoism in the United States now. You're aware of it. Uh, it is most strongly felt on our college campuses. By our young people, they're being indoctrinated in public schools to hate anyone who disagrees, to constantly act like they're being threatened. The whole speech is violence thing. I need a safe space, etc. It's garbage. It's dangerous. And we've talked about the case uh, before on a number of occasions of J. Angelo Corlett, or is it Corlett? It's probably Corlett, who's a professor of philosophy and ethics at San Diego State University. And he tells his own story here, so I will let him, I will quote a piece he wrote for the San Diego Union Tribune 
just because uh, we are staunchly in favor of his point of view in this stuff, and I would love to be able to echo his thoughts. Um, I would point out that he and I probably disagree on a lot, um, a, a lot politically speaking, uh, philosophically. He teaches philosophy, by the way. Um, and uh, and uh, I know, uh, in fact, he, he brings up reparations, for instance, which I consider not only a terrible idea, but almost laughable. But I'm sure he can make an intelligent case for why he thinks otherwise. And uh, this, all this stuff about do we have the free exchange of ideas or don't we, especially in schools, is so important. I don't care if the guy believes that, uh, you know, donkeys fly and uh, or, or or anything, really. I don't, Even if he was first packing the Supreme Court, for instance, which I think is a horrible idea. The fact that he's fighting for freedom of expression is reason enough to, to join join with him. Anyway. He writes, I've been employed for 25 years at San Diego State University, where I am a tenured professor of philosophy. It's been my privilege and my passion to teach students of all racial, ethnic, religious, and economic backgrounds. Although I am no provocateur, I have always intended for my lessons and class discussions to be intellectually provocative. Until recently, I believed that this is what my colleagues, the university administration, and most importantly, my students, wanted. I take seriously the San Diego State Senate policy that states, and I quote, Freedom of expression defends the expression we abhor as well as the expression we support. It's the very definition of free expression. However, that belief has been shaken in recent weeks. Well, I'm departing from his text, obviously, here. It should be shaken because they don't defend any expression they disagree with in the slightest. In fact, they want it shouted down in silence. Here's the story. On the evening of March 1, a San Diego State dean who's one of the real villains in this story. And this story, you know, I meant to say this in advance. This story is about the viciousness, rigidity, and borderline psychotic behavior of the woke little students and the utter cowardice of the administration in the for, in the face of those uh, young red would-be Red Guard members. At the moment... They could risk it all to do the right thing. They have chosen to do the opposite. They are either cowards or they are ideological brethren of the little Maoists. Or both, I suppose, maybe half and half. Anyway, on the evening of March 1, a San Diego State dean summarily removed me from two courses I have taught for years. Philosophy, Racism, and Justice, and Critical Thinking and Composition. The reasons she gave me for the removal were, quote, numerous student complaints, close quote, and her unfounded belief that I am, quote, no longer effective in the course, end quote. Both of those, one, the first being an expression of the little Maoists, the numerous complaints, and the belief I'm no longer effective in the course, that is the cowardly, cowardly, rationale of somebody who's afraid of the students soon thereafter i learned that the quote complaints concerned my lesson earlier that day of the use dash mention distinction in philosophy it's a foundational concept in determining what language counts as racism it distinguishes between racist language use you're using a racial slur with racist intent 
And then racial language, they're mere mentioning of a racial slur without racist intent, for instance, in a college class to discuss it. It used to be that distinction didn't even need to be made because it's so obvious. Did I call Michael, uh, Michael, uh, our technical director, an idiot? Or was I talking to him about, you know, Michael, some people are idiots. Or some people use the term idiot, and it, it hurts other people's feelings. Now, if I were to say to Michael, for instance, you know, the boss called somebody an idiot, and uh, I think that term's kind of hurtful in the workplace. For Michael to run around screaming, he said idiot, he said idiot, and I heard it, would make him a crazy person. Yes, it would. Yes. It's not the use of a racial slur. It's a discussion of it. And the professor says, during the lecture and class discussion, I mentioned the N-word as an example. Now, the idea, the very idea that we we can no longer even discuss discussing a racial term without people ignoring the use, um, uh, use mention distinction is scary, folks. I mean, we're into pre-enlightenment, you uttered a magic incantation stuff. Acting like a word has devastating magical powers, like a spell in Harry Potter that must not be said. This is the stuff of the Middle Ages, okay? And college kids believe it. Yipes. Because I think a lot of them are so deluded by their professors, the kids actually do believe it. The professors are either uh, theoretical lunatics, or they understand the power they can wield if they get the kids on their side and turn them into the little cultists they dream of. But anyway, so this professor professor was discussing about the very concept of use versus mention. Within days, online rumors abounded that I said the word more than 60 times during class, which of course is absurd. Individuals who knew nothing about me or the courses started a change.org petition to have me fired. Clearly, they didn't bother to research my work, my commitment to well-being of black people, or my writings in favor of reparations and racial justice. Again, I would probably disagree with him on that stuff, but he gets to discuss it. I'm not threatened by somebody who thinks reparations are a good idea. I would gladly join them in the forum of opinions and say, with all due respect, Professor, I think you're making a mistake for these reasons. It's because I'm not a crazy person. So I think it is worth, uh, as you're charting this out, maybe drawing yourself a little picture of the way this works, it was the mob, the online mob, that knew nothing about the professor or the courses that supplied the weight, the heat, that turned the college administrators into crumbling, cringing cowards. Probably worth mentioning briefly now that my mom, my uh, dearly departed mom, was a college administrator at uh, times in her life, and she would not have bowed to this stuff for a single effing second, by the way. Some people actually have principles. Anyway. The language was clearly relevant, the professor writes, to the subject matter of the lesson. At no time has the dean, the complaining students, or anyone else disputed that. I have been teaching this material essentially the same way for over two decades while receiving stellar student and department reviews. Despite the dean's contention that my teaching is not effective, you coward, I have received 11 teaching awards from the college in the past 12 years, several specifically recognizing my mentorship of students of color. Teaching the same material. 
quote, I have given much of my life to the university, yet San Diego State did not provide me with any prior notice of these so-called complaints, did not inform me of their substance, and did not give me any opportunity to defend myself or respond to them before removing me from my courses. Can you believe that? The process is, hey, a bunch of students are uh, complaining, you're out, man, you're out. That's it. He doesn't even get to say, whoa, 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 none of that happened. Or, yeah, I said it the same way I have for 20 years. And people pretended to freak. None of that is even allowed. So when Jack and I talk about the extremism on college campuses and how terrified everybody is of these little Maoists, friends, that example speaks for itself. It's insane. He says... This was a clear violation of my due process rights to say nothing of common decency. As a professor at a taxpayer-supported public university, I enjoy the First Amendment right to freedom of speech, the same right that we all enjoy as private citizens. And in the classroom, this affords me the academic freedom to teach, teach my students as I see fit, providing the materials germane to the subject matter of the course. I do not lose that freedom simply because one or more students or administrative functionaries might find my language disagreeable or even offensive. As university faculty teaching adult students, we have the responsibility to our students to challenge them intellectually, even if that means they may feel uncomfortable. If we abandon that responsibility, students will be shortchanged. Lessons won't be taught. Vital and vibrant classroom discussions will never take place. Uh, I would argue, Professor, that it's much, much more significant than that. You're right. I mean, you're absolutely right as far as you went, but it will fundamentally restructure the way our society functions. And the relationship between the educator and the student, uh, the universities and the communities. I mean, it just, it will, it will usher in dark ages in American uh, intellectual, uh, you know, pursuits. Uh, let's see. Finally, thankfully, he says, uh, he says, I've received an outpouring of strong support from the public, students, and scholars at the finest universities worldwide who understand what is at stake when a professor is disciplined for merely doing his job. This case is not just about me, clearly. It's about free speech, due process, academic freedom, and what prevails in a college classroom, intellectual exploration, or coerced silence. Uh, I would, I would strongly suggest right now to college administrators who might be listening or might hear the second hand or grab the podcast or something like that. Um, There are much, much worse things than losing your gig. I realize comfort and money is significant. Uh, and, and, And for me to cavalierly tell you to give them up would be, you know, It'd be the sort of blowhard stuff that people uh, don't like about talk radio. I, I understand our relative positions in terms of your livelihood, okay? I would suggest to you that showing your spouse, your children, your community, your colleagues, that you have principles and you believe in them and you will stick to them even if it causes what is probably going to be a temporary financial uh, inconvenience or a little pain, is, as the story of your life is written, a thousand times more important than next month's paycheck. A thousand times. Which side are you on in this battle? 
Why don't you decide by the end of the day today? Remind yourself of your principles and stick with them. Stay with us. More to come. You know what woke means? It means you're a loser. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Officer, my kids are panicking. People are sick back there. We got to get off this plane. We tried to land four times already. It's dangerous. We're scared to fly. We want to get off. We're six hours. It's a three-hour flight. It's not your fault. It's not their fault. We just want to get off. It's our life. I'm sorry. People are sick back there. People are fainting. People are throwing up. A little respect for human beings. How long can we sit on this crap? It's not just one person. Everybody wants to get off. Everybody wants to get off. Wow, nightmare on the tarmac, New York City's JFK airport, uh, rain and wind, I guess. People stuck for five and a half hours, that sort of thing on the tarmac. People puking and up all night. I guess JetBlue was at the heart of it. They were about 40% of the flights and allegedly handled it poorly. Uh, people tweeting, I'm sure it's less expensive to keep an entire plane hostage past 1 a.m. rather than to put passengers up in a hotel, said one guy whose girlfriend was stranded for over five hours. Oh, man. And and people, uh, planes are taking off uh, around them, too. They just had various delay and route problems or whatever, and just it got screwed up the way airlines do. I'm telling you. You know, Michael and I were talking about this off the air. Michael, I I agree with you. Yeah. I would get myself arrested, I think, because I would try and get off that plane. I would do anything just to get off the plane. Yeah, how serious a charge is that? I've always thought it'd be semi-interesting to get arrested anyway. <laughs> yeah, I could I could absolutely see that. I'm surprised there's not more violence. Uh, speaking of violence and crime, uh, Jussie Smollett is loose. Juicy Sommelier is loose. The streets of Chicago are no longer safe for... Jess Jussie himself, because he's the guy who attacked himself. But he uh, he has put out, apparently, a six-minute-long gospel-influenced R&B track called Thank You, God. Let's hear a little sample. Like they hell-bent, yeah, not solving a crime. Taking out the elements of race and trans and homophobia that start taking lives. But turn around and act like I'm the one that killed the strides. Maybe we stick together. Maybe we read more. Instead of saying it's above me now, brother, you sure? I can't be mad. Take my ego out. Some people searching for fame. Some people chasing that clout. Just remember this. This ain't that situation. You think I'm stupid enough to keep my reputation? Just simply to look like a victim, like it's something fun. I better look at someone else. The wrong one. Yeah, yeah. See, we do think you're that stupid to kill your reputation. Because you are trying to become the highest form of American life, the victim of something racial. And you thought that would really make your career. And you would be on all the talk shows and you would get super famous. You know how we, we know that? Because that's what happened during that period of time when everybody with any common sense knew that it was fake, including the cops who knew immediately that your story was just the sort of ridiculous, naive crap that somebody like you would make up. And then it becoming just so utterly clear, everybody had to admit it. It just, yeah, just so silly. 
So, uh, yeah, some of the lyrics. After a choir sings, thank you, God, for showing me my enemies, the 39-year-old, wow, he's 39, uh, disgraced actor laid down a spoken word verse. It's like they're hell-bent on not solving the crime, taking out the elements of race and trans and homophobia that's straight taking lives, but turn around and act like I'm the one that killed the strides. Well, that's uh, that's just lazy rhyming. What does kill the strides mean? I can't be mad. Take my ego out. Some people searching for fame. Some people chasing that clout. Just remember this. This ain't the situation. You think I'm stupid enough to kill my reputation? Again, yes. You simply to look like a victim, like it's something fun. Y'all better look at someone else. You got the wrong one. Nah, I, I don't think so. I think your Nigerian buddies you hired to put a noose around your neck and inexplicably bleach you. Um, yeah, yeah, it was them and it was you. Uh, good stuff next hour. If you're a business person, you ought to hear next hour. If you don't grab it, if you don't get it, rather, grab the podcast later. Armstrong and Getty. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie. Because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to More Than a Movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how to get comfortable with fear and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. People say, what are you afraid of, right? I'm afraid of fear because it's like I want to confront anything in my life that feels challenging on those levels. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. 